Welcome to Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. Over the next hour, you'll discover unique ideas and perspectives about how to improve your health and the planet as well. Now, here are your hosts, Jimena and Lorenzo. Welcome, hello, and of course, bienvenidos. Thank you for tuning in to Healthy Planet, Healthy You. I am Lorenzo Rosenzweig, and I have more than 40 years of my life devoted to the natural world and its conservation. I am also a writer, a photographer, a watercolor painter, an amateur naturalist, and the grandfather of six, next December, seven. My professional training as an engineer and marine biologist has fostered a deep interest in marine conservation, hydrology, and all forms of life. Of course, I have favorites, probably birds, fish, oak trees, agave, cacti, and lately, riparian ecosystems. Bienvenidos. Hello. Happy Wednesday. So excited to be here with you. My name is Jimena Yañez. I am an author, a health coach, and a Reiki and biomagnetism therapist. I am the mom of two young ladies, and after 23 years in the field of conservation and more than 10 years studying integrative health and nutrition, I've understood that if we want to be healthy, we need to start by taking care of this planet we call home. What is good and new for you, Lorenzo? Well, all is well, Jimena. A few ups and downs, but nothing that cannot be fixed. I enjoyed a long weekend exercising on my bike, on my bike swimming, photographing wildlife, and finishing a few pieces of work, narratives that were pending. What is new for you, Jimena? Well, I'm seeing, still enjoying beautiful Costa Rica, leaving the beach now in a couple of hours to head to the cloud forest, Monte Verde. Thanks for asking, Lorenzo. Good, good, great that you're in Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you will be having fun. Costa Rica is a wonderful place. Yes. Um, every week we engage in casual conversations to help you understand what is really going on, considering there's a lot of conflicting information on the news and social media. We want you to exercise your right to decide for yourself. So we offer facts that you can double check later on your own. So allow us to tell you the story of how we got into this environmental and health crisis. What are the odds if we fail to act during the next seven to 10 years? And what are the things you can do for your personal benefit and at the same time to support worldwide efforts for a healthy planet? Yes, in, in previous episodes, uh, and this is our episode number 13. So the last 12, we talked about how a healthy planet means a healthy you. What is the tipping point and how we are pushing the planetary limits? What is eco-anxiety and how to deal with it in a positive way? And how and why is climate change and, uh, and uh, the things we, we, you can do to change the tendencies? We also talked about how water supports life and uh, that we are steadily, steadily polluting water. And we talked about the importance of biodiversity and what we are really losing when we lose this incredible resource. Yeah, and in the last episodes, we talk about how everything starts with the soil and how soils are living organisms. We talked about how your health is a holistic endeavor and what, how what we're putting in our mouths is damaging the environment. The last episodes were about how we have been disconnecting from nature and others in this communications age how we are starting to acknowledge that 
nature has rights and people can be its voice and how nature heals and can be our partner for long-term well-being. Yes, our intention is to keep building up so you don't just get information, but knowledge to make your own decisions. In this episode, we will talk about how to be a good ancestor, a term I just love, and how to be messengers of hope. Yes, and nowadays, news travel at an incredible speed, and there is bad news everywhere. And without a doubt, humans are the, the main driving force of the environmental and health crisis. But if you feel you want to cover the sun with one finger, you will miss your opportunity to be a guardian for tomorrow, the hope for generations to come. To me, being a good ancestor means leaving a positive legacy for future generations. It's about ensuring that our actions today don't compromise future generations' well-being and the resources they will need. Absolutely, Jimena. That's, that's exactly the concept. We should strive to create a sustainable and equitable world for our descendants. And I hear you if you're thinking, how do I go about it? What can I do in my daily life? Well, it all starts by being conscious of our impact. Throughout this podcast, Jimena and I have been sharing knowledge on how to make environmentally responsible choices and support sustainable practices. We have also considered the social and economic aspects like the importance of promoting both equality and justice. And it's just one simple thing you need to do. Switching your mind to consider the well-being of future generations over your short-term gains. And I know that simple and easy are two different words. Simple can be very challenging, especially when it comes to balancing our needs and desires with the needs of others. Yes, it's not easy, but it's essential to find ways to meet our needs without compromising the ability of future generations to meet theirs. Yes, in helping us switch our minds, education plays a crucial role too. By educating ourselves and our kids about the importance of being good ancestors, we can raise a sense of responsibility and inspire the values needed to create a better future. And as we have seen, technology can be a powerful tool as well. We should explore and harness technological advancements to address long-term challenges, find innovative solutions, and create positive impact for generations to come. I feel inspired when I think about the potential impact you, me, and everyone can have as individuals and as a society. And the key word is commitment. Commitment to making choices that benefit not just us here and now, but also those who will come after us. That is the true meaning of being good ancestors. You can shape a future that you can be proud of, knowing that you've done your part to leave a positive, lasting legacy. And I am so happy and, well, we are fortunate to have Sven Lindblad with us today to go deeper into the concept of being good ancestors and messengers of hope. Sven is a pioneer in the field of expedition travel, nature expedition travel and conservation. And he is the embodiment of adventure and environmental stewardship. With a visionary spirit, he has defined the norms, crafting a legacy that merged thrilling exploration with a profound commitment to the planet. Through Limblad, he has allowed many adventurers to witness, through Limblad expeditions, he has allowed many adventurers to witness nature's wonders while promoting a deep connection to the planet. 
Sven has not only pioneered sustainable tourism, but has championed initiatives that safeguard fragile ecosystems and uplift local communities. His unwavering passion and unyielding determination have propelled a generation of travelers to become guardians, guardians of the planet, as stewards of a fragile and awe-inspiring world. Sven's indelible mark on the expedition travel industry continues to inspire and ignite a spirit of exploration and conservation in every adventurous heart. He's also my best friend, just like a brother. Yeah, the thing is that we always tease who is the oldest one, and I think he's the oldest one. <laughs> Welcome, Sven. It is a real pleasure to have you with us today, finally meeting you. <laughs> but before we dive into these week's topics, I love to if, if, if Sven shares with us his mission and vision. Sven, you are a pioneer in the field of expedition travel and conservation. What inspired you to combine adventure travel with environmental awareness? How do you believe these two elements, um, adventure travel, and environmental awareness complement each other. Thank you, Jimena, uh, <laughs> Lorenzo. Great to be with you both. Uh, he's right. I am the older one. Uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, so let, let, let me go back a little bit because I think it, it, it's pertinent because all of us have at some point in our lives an event that shapes us or that propels us in a particular direction. Uh, and I think it's interesting if everybody would reach back into their in, into their memories and to try and, and sometimes it's very obvious, sometimes perhaps it's a bit more hidden. But nevertheless, there was often an event. And for me, it was I was living in uh, Kenya, East Africa in the 1970s, in my 20s. Uh, and uh, my first assignment when I was there was I was living in a national park called Savo East, which had the largest population of both elephant and black rhino in all of Africa. It was 5,000 square miles. And uh, one day, uh, at the camp I was working at, one day we didn't have any guests uh, for whatever reason, and I decided to go out just for fun uh, with, with a guy who had taught me how to spot animals uh, and, and to see how many rhino we could count. It was just a, a little game we were playing. So we went out early in the morning, spent the entire day looking, and we found 59 individual rhinos. Uh, Ten years later, I was back in that national park for a week, uh, and I did not see one. They had all been poached, pretty much. There were obviously still a few left, but uh, I didn't find them in any case. Uh, and, 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 and that happened in a decade, literally... Uh, uh, the largest population in all of Africa had essentially been wiped out by poaching uh, in that short period of time. And I thought to myself, that's way too much power for human beings to be able to do that. And then when I came back to the United States, uh, I was 27 at the time. I came back and I wound up in the travel field. And I, I, I really wanted to follow in my father's footsteps from the perspective of his he, he was really the pioneer of uh, what, what we now call eco-tourism, but he always connected conservation and travel and education, uh, and that was his mission, and I, and, I, and I really admired that. And the experience I'd had in Africa, many experiences, but the, particularly that, that experience, the wiping out of Rhino and Savo National Park, uh, had an indelible mark, and I wanted to figure out a way to, to connect the business of tourism, 
uh, with uh, helping people understand the importance of, of nature, uh, the environment, and, and blend those two things into uh, one holistic experience. And uh, that's what I've been doing for the last 40 odd years, and it's been a great, great pleasure. Wow, that, that, that's an impressive story. And, and um, yes, we have, as you say, we have way too much power. So, Sven, in, in your experience, <clears throat> how does immersive and experiential travel contribute to raising awareness about environmental issues and at the same time fostering a sense of responsibility towards the planet? Can you share any specific examples on how uh, Limplet Expeditions has achieved this? Yeah, so... At the end of the day, what, what, what travel has the capacity of doing more than anything else is, is exposing people to, to wonder, beauty, phenomena. I mean, it, 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 it's, you know, we, we, we get so much of our information intellectually through media, through newspapers. Well, people don't read newspapers very often anymore, but through media, television, whatever. Uh, but, but travel actually puts you in the field and puts you in, into a very different kind of connection. I, I tend to feel that that it has the capacity to build an essential ingredients which is reverence yeah. you know reverence for our planet reverence for where you are and an appreciation for that and 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 it opens your mind to just thinking differently about why i mean if you see a glacier calving a huge piece of ice the size of a major building calving off of the glacier and then later on there's a conversation around climate change and you've had this experience the day before, or a couple of days before, that conversation takes on a very different uh, meaning because you've seen something happen, right? And so you can begin to understand, uh, uh, you know, what, what it means if, if, if these glaciers begin to disappear more and more and more. So there are countless experiences where, where I believe that, that physical connection, that being there component, matters a great deal in terms of helping us form our thoughts uh, and indeed the necessity uh, the necessary component of developing reverence for natural systems yeah um i hear you when you say reverence like um i can imagine what you felt when you 10 years before you saw that many rhinos and then 10 years later you can count any so i i i think i i feel pain so Lindblad expeditions have been committed to sustainable tourism and environmental stewardship for, you said, 40 years already. What are some of the key initiatives or practices that Lindblad expeditions have implement, has implemented to ensure the conservation of fragile ecosystems and the well-being of local communities? Yeah, so we, what, we, what we try and do wherever we go uh, is, to, is to look for ways uh, that we can contribute to the well-being of that place. Because, uh, you know, the environment is never going to be dealt with in a positive way unless you have a healthy community, right? So you need people to be able to have functional lives that are satisfying and positive. And in the absence of that, you will you will almost invariably have an assault on, on, on nature. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's inevitable. So... So if you take a place like the Galapagos, for example, when, I, when we first started going to the Galapagos on a permanent basis, I was, uh, I was really stunned that the tourism industry really did not have any connection 
uh, with with conservation or community at all. They just went about their business. And, and my feeling was that, that we need to invest in the assets that we depend upon. And that those assets are healthy communities and healthy nature. And so we need to find creative ways to do that. So uh, in the Galapagos, for example, currently we are a major supporter of, of uh, a school, Thomas de Berlanga School, which is an outdoor school uh, which which uh, teaches bilingually and uh, teaches environmental stewardship as part of its program. Uh, we have spent a lot of effort uh, working on uh, helping to eradicate introduced species uh, like goats and 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 pigs in 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 the islands. We uh, we we uh, we have developed an artisan program where we have trained people to take, for example, uh, discarded bottles and instead of making them part of a landfill, turning them into art that then gets exported. So a bottle of wine gets imported into the Galapagos, gets exported as, a, as, a, uh, as an artifact taken home by the tourists. Right? We've done the same thing with uh, uh, a bead idea where, where we take a paper waste. And there was this incredible, I went into the store in New York, Bergdorf Goodman, I saw these incredibly beautiful beads that I wanted to, uh, and I bought a, uh, a set, and I found out these were produced by this woman in Uganda who had taken, who had, had this ingenious idea about taking discarded paper and turning them into these incredibly beautiful beads. And uh, uh, so we brought her to, to the Galapagos and train people there to be able to do that. So a lot of the waste all of a sudden becomes again an exportable artistic product. And I could go on and on. But but so these are these some of these initiatives are, are directly related to conservation, science, and some of them are community oriented. But if you if you create the opportunity for livelihoods that are different than, for example, uh, you know, fisheries, for example, and you reduce the dependence on on, on practices that are potentially, in, if in excess, negative to the environment, uh, that, that creates an opportunity for change. Great, Sven. So, so nice to hear about practice on the field. That's, that's really important. And, and again, I, I, I having worked for conservation for so long, um, I, can, I can, it goes deep, uh, this reasoning that you have to participate, help, and, and involve the local people that are always in contact with nature. So we are approaching our first pause, Sven and Jimena. When we come back, we will ask Sven his points of view about the principles of being a good ancestor, something that will complement this first segment of our podcast. So stay tuned and, and thank you very much. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Do you want to have control over your eating decisions, your life, and your and your family's health? Do you wish to take action that benefits the planet, humanity, and generations to come? 
Healthy Planet, Healthy You offers a unique opportunity to increase the public's awareness of vital environmental and health issues while sharing easy-to-apply habits that can change the world. A book you cannot miss. Find it on Amazon. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. In this polarizing age of misinformation, it is critical to examine the lessons of the past on history, culture, and trauma. Ingrid Cochran, CEO of Paces Connection, and her guests will explore historical trauma and outline how our collective past shades our perception of today's world and our shared experiences. In this podcast, we will examine the impact of past atrocious cultural events and the impact of the systemic trauma of racism and poverty on the human experience. Ingrid and her guest will also outline what is needed for our collective healing. Please join us for History, Culture, and Trauma, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. Have a question for Jimena and Lorenzo or their guests? Join us on the show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back. This episode is all about why and how to become a good ancestor and a messenger of hope. Our guest today is Sven Limblad. Sven has pioneered sustainable tourism championing initiatives that safeguard fragile ecosystems and uplift local communities. He inspires a spirit of adventure and preservation in every explorer's heart. Yes, and let's keep talking about how we can switch our minds to become good ancestors. In his amazing book, The Good Ancestor, Roman Schnarik suggests six ways to help us long-term as become a true good ancestor. The first way is to assume deep-time humility and grasp that we and our civilization are an eye blink in cosmic time. The second is to aspire to a legacy mindset in order to be remembered by posterity. The third is to consider at least the seventh generation ahead concept through intergenerational justice. Seven is a very interesting figure used in many religions as an auspicious number. It's common to hear that a blessing impacts seven generations in a positive way. So it makes total sense for me at least to act for the benefit of seven generations ahead. Yes. And uh, the fourth way is to plan meaningful projects that restore life within a time frame well beyond our human lifetime. This is what they call cathedral thinking, like when they would build cathedrals that would took like a century. The fifth is to envision a multiple pathways for a prosperous civilization through holistic forecasting. And the sixth and last 
is to aim for a thriving planet by assuming transcendent goals and aligning all of our endeavors with them. So let's keep our good conversation with Sven while keeping in mind these six ways to think as a true good ancestor. Yes. Um, so Sven, we will keep asking you things. You just share with us the story of the rhinos, but is there any other event in your life that motivated you to appreciate and become an advocate for the natural world? Well, you know, it's interesting when, when, when you talk about uh, seven generations. Uh, <laughs> I, re I remember vividly being in India once uh, at a place called <clears throat> the Ajanta and the Ellora Caves in southern India. And these are enormous, uh, uh, beautiful, sculpted, uh, uh, sculpted sort of cave. Well, they're built into the caves, so they're hewn right out of the rock, the natural rock. They're not taken away. They're 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 in they're they're just using the natural rock and, and and sculpting them. And I thought about I thought about the first person who sat on top of the rock and started chipping away. And then wondered if he realized that uh, he would never see anything close to what this would look like in his lifetime. Mm -hmm. And you have to have a vision for you know something that you will never see, and and the humility that that takes, and and that that recorded very deeply in my consciousness. So you know we tend to uh, we tend to think, unfortunately, as human beings, we are very our brains are very well trained to think about clear and imminent. What's in front of us? What's happening now? If I throw a baseball at you, you are incredibly well equipped to move out of the way. But if I confront you with something that unfolds over time, over a longer period of time, you aren't necessarily, your brain is not necessarily as well equipped to cope with that. Uh, and it's an interesting thing. And it, it's just, it, it, it has to do with how, how the brain is sort of evolving. So, The trouble with climate change, for example, is that it, it doesn't like it's not like it's not like a volcano the way you you know it erupts, you see it, the lava flows, it's it's there, you know, it's 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 in front of you. It this unfolds over time, right? So when we talk about sea level rise of inches, right? For most people, that's just what's a what's a couple of inches, you know? Yeah. You know, what's the big deal? Why are we worried about this? But so It's a very so. In order to communicate something like like that, you you kind of have to rethink, or you have to kind of accept the fact that what is the brain naturally capable of, and and how do you create and construct your message so that it has the chance of being adapted or adopted, mm -hmm. given the given given the barriers that exist within the brain's construct. So we have a we our our, our Our biggest problem, when I, I think, when it comes to our relationship with nature, first of all, we, we consider ourselves apart. Two words. Apart, yeah. <laughs> right. Two yes. words, yeah. As yeah. opposed to as opposed to being a sorry apart one word yeah. as opposed to being a part two words of nature. Right. We need to begin to feel like we are a part. We are we're not apart. Yeah. <laughs> and and. And, and, and as long as we have this notion of nature being separate from ourselves and we being this sort of superior being, uh, and, and, 
and everything that involves nature is 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 over a span of time. It's it's it's, it's not something that always happens sort of immediately. We 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 won't have the capacity to develop the ideas necessary to 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 have a relationship or a positive relationship with nature. That's a little convoluted. I, I'm not probably explaining that as well as I'd like. But, <laughs> yeah, you, but, you, you did, you did, and and so and because you did, I'm going to skip my my the the next question I had in my mind, and I'm going to improvise on a philosophical question. And and this is uh, being human beings are unique in terms that we can look into the future. Our minds can plan ahead, uh, different from from other living species. So so. But but one one interesting way, and this happens to me more and more often, I now know that it happens also to you, is to realize the future through kids, through children or grandchildren. And because because somehow it's inevitable that you see them and you have to imagine that like like one of my seven grandchilds is just a few months. I mean, he would be one year in a few months. So basically he has like, probably 80, 90 years to go. So so what kind of world will he be living in? And what am I doing to try to improve the conditions of 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 of, of that uh, of that world? So, so 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 tell us about how can we organize our actions today in order to have this long-term impact. Yeah, now that's that's a really complicated question. You know, they've done a lot of surveys on on uh, well, we can sit here and have a conversation about children and grandchildren and future generations. And intellectually, we it it it's clear that we have a responsibility to them, and that we should consider them in everything we do. Right? That we should not take away their opportunities. That's one you you referred to it earlier. That's one definition of conservation is not diminishing the opportunity of future generations. Right? But the reality is that people don't take that very, very seriously at all. You know, there's rhetoric around it, but not action around it on, 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 a, on, a, on a regular basis, right? So you could argue, you know, there's a group of kids in Oregon that are suing the government yeah. uh, uh, based on, 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 on the notion that they are taking away their, their opportunities, their future opportunities, right? Which is an incredible court case. And, and, I don't know what the uh, results will be yet. I don't think the results have been announced yet or have been concluded yet. But you could argue that 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 our behavior, uh, much of our behavior is is in fact criminal in relationship. If you want to use the lens as as what are we doing to future generations? So I I just saw a film last night, which was interesting. Here in Hawaii, this woman made a film about injection wells so what they've been doing is they've been taking they've been taking uh wastewater and injecting it into the groundwater and uh and then that has been seeping out into the ocean and has contributed greatly to the complete destruction of the coral reef system in maui where i where i am right now right where i i live part-time and and if you go snorkeling in in around maui you see hardly anything but very few fish completely dead reefs full of algae and all the rest of it and they've been they've been working a group of people who've been working over 10 years uh trying to get a suit against the county so that they would stop this practice right 10 years yeah. uh, i mean it's it's 
and 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 it's just greed that's in the way. It's it's human greed that's in the way. That you know, short term financial gain uh, uh, eclipses every sense of responsibility about future generations. Generally speaking, that's just the way it is. And and so you need young people to really have almost in essence a sort of a revolution of of of, of how they think, how they behave, how they vote, uh, and and just say, look. Guys, if 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 you're not going to protect, uh, if you're not going to protect our future, we're we're, we're not going to vote for you. We're not going to support you. We're not going to allow you to have power. And that's what's going to have to happen more than anything else. You can everything about individual behavior, recycling this. It's great, but at the end of the day, what you need, uh, you, you absolutely need policy that changes our innate ability and often desire to destroy the world. So um, what I've seen and what I think is that people talk about their kids like, I want to leave them with, I don't know, money or uh, a yeah. career or something to live a, a better life after. And then they don't care about the environment. And I'm like, well, this is the place where your kids are going to live. It's more important to have a good place to live than money or an, a company or something or a career. So it's just the same that you said we we cannot see like in the future we can we have reflexes for what's happening right now but we we cannot like if we don't see it like climate change and versus a volcano we're not going to take action so many people ask me like they are like but what can i do like there are some um things we can do like embracing sustainable lifestyles and conserving resources and minimizing waste and adopting eco-friendly practices. But in your experience, are there other practices or habits that can lead us to be a good ancestor for our kids and our grandchildren and the seventh generation that will um, come after them? I, I, you know, I don't mean to be cynical, but, but I, you know, I, I, when I, when I shave, when I used to shave, I'm not shaving at the moment, I would talk to myself in the mirror sometimes and I would, I would ask myself these questions, uh, you know, <clears throat> and I would, I would have this constant fight between wanting to be an optimist and, and, and at the same time wanting to be a realist and trying to reconcile those two things. I, I think, honestly, I've come to the conclusion that the, <clears throat> there's so many behaviors we can do that will make us feel better and that will have, you know, some, some, some effect. But what we need is a transference of power to another generation. And we have to, I believe when we have to figure out how can we facilitate that transfer uh, as quickly as possible, because we're not doing it. We're not, you know, we've, <laughs> we've been aware of the fact that we're destroying our planet for decades mm -hmm. and we haven't done anything about it. It, it, we haven't done anything about it sufficiently. You know, we, we've we've toyed at the edges. We've you know we've had a few. We, we've won a few battles, but we're nowhere near winning a war. I mean, you know, conservation is in the battle business. It's not in the winning of the war business, right? So, how do you transfer um, this? How do you empower have, the next generation? I have, yeah, I don't have the answer, but yeah, but I, you have to do two things. I think if you're going to solve anything, you have to have you have to you have to fully agree a, 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 on a diagnosis. 
And then you have to decide what to do about the diagnosis, right? But you, you can't blend those two simultaneously. You have to do one first and then you do the other. So the, my diagnosis personally is we don't deserve power any longer because we've shown an inability to use it effectively as, as, as adults, as, as old people, as whatever, you know, our generation. Uh, we're not dealing with this issue. So, but I do know, for example, Generation uh, Z, for example, they are, they are really uh, showing the potential of, of becoming real activists uh, in relationship to a lot of issues, including justice, equity, environment. And if they really get mobilized and they really galvanize around their, their you know, these feelings that they have and really act on those feelings, they can change the balance of power. We, yeah, I, without, I, without a change in the balance of power, we're screwed. Sorry. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more, man. And yes, we need a change in the balance of power. And we, we often have these <clears throat> conversations with our colleagues about the importance of consumers uh, because consumers can become a shift of power if we start consuming right, and for example, just imagine this case of, of Maui. Well, if people stop going to Maui, just because it's a place that is not using the best practice for disposing of the of the of wastewater, then then that will take, I mean, tourism industry will be very sensitive to that decision of consumers. But again, it's a combination of, 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 uh, of doing the right things. Now, uh, let me do a question, another question. We, we're close to the to the end of this segment. So intergenerational equity emphasizes fairness and justice between generations. Uh, it entails recognizing that the resources and opportunities available to us are not ours alone, but also meant to be shared with future generations. Could you have someone that is a cultural or historical figure who exemplifies, besides this guy in India, the qualities of being a good ancestor? So someone oh, that, that we can use as an icon. Well, I think people like well, honestly, one, one of my one of the people I look up to as an icon in this regard, probably more so than anybody, is you, Lorenzo. Come on, I mean, <laughs> no, I, I'm serious. I mean, you are absolutely you 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 embody you embody these things uh, probably you know and think about these things and and communicate about these things and are effective in relationship to these things more than anybody I know, you know? So I, I, I you know, <laughs> I have this huge regard for, for you and your holistic view and, and relationship to, you know, all these things, justice, health, environment, communications, absolute, uh, you know, uh, insatiable curiosity. Uh, so you, you, you are a great, great example of a fully rounded human being that, uh, that we should all attempt to exemplify. Yes, and I agree with Ben. <laughs> with that, in that, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. So it's time for us to go to the next break. We're very close to the to the end of this segment. When we return, we will talk about the things you can do and how to take action now. So your everyday choices will lead you to optimal health and also align with global environmental efforts. Stay tuned.
Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Do you want to have control over your eating decisions, your life, and your and your family's health? Do you wish to take action that benefits the planet, humanity, and generations to come? Healthy Planet, Healthy You offers a unique opportunity to increase the public's awareness of vital environmental and health issues while sharing easy-to-apply habits that can change the world. A book you cannot miss. Find it on Amazon. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Are you tired of feeling powerless over food? Do you obsess over every bite? Dr. Nina is here to help you identify your hidden triggers, stop emotional eating, and create permanent, sustainable weight loss. No more diets and no more deprivation. Learn how to live a life of freedom, joy, and happiness while still enjoying the food you love. Join Dr. Nina as she shares her expertise on how to outsmart emotional eating and live your best life on The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Thursdays at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. Have a question for Jimena and Lorenzo or their guests? Join us on the show at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back. If you're tuning in, we have been talking about being good ancestors and messengers of hope. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the rights of nature, very similar to these rights where nature needs an advocate to speak for it. People who are not yet born do not have a, cho- a voice, but that doesn't mean that they cannot be taken into consideration. Before the break, we talk about the book, The Good Ancestor by Roman Schnadik, and he says something loud and clear in our digital age of pathological short-termism, we're giving less and less consideration to our descendants. Absolutely, Jimena. And the subtitle of Schnarki's book is How to Think Long-Term in a Short-Term World, something that we addressed in the first part of of this episode. And he suggests we should shift our perspective from one of instant gratification to what he calls deep-time humility. For Snarik, the way we live now is the result of a degraded economy based on permanent growth where humans were thought and pushed to live beyond the planet's capacity. He also says we are indifferent to the damage we are leaving to those who will come after us. And he leaves us with the following consideration. If we as a species are to survive the coming threats to our existence, We urgently need to think about what we leave, not just to our children, but our grandchildren's grandchildren and beyond. 
Yes, exactly, the seventh generation. Interestingly, the alternative Snadic suggests is called donut economies or ring economics, as put forward by his wife, the economist Kate Roward. This entails a rebalancing between social wealth and ecological protection when we meet the needs of current and future generations within the means of Earth's crucial life-supporting system. So today we have the privilege to have Sven Lindblad with us. We have been asking Sven lots of questions about his point of view regarding being a good ancestor and the messenger of hope. And Sven, if you're okay with it, we would love to continue this uh, conversation through a few more questions. So what do you say are the urgent steps, and we, we, you commented some of this in, 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 in the previous segments, but what are the urgent steps and ethical decisions that societies should take to promote a sense of responsibility towards future generations? You know, you're, you're, you, you, uh, you studied economics, Lorenzo. Uh, one, one, of, one of the things I think we need to, to, to accomplish is the way, we, the way we tend to think about things is, is particularly as it relates to the environment, that we're, we're caught in this space where we think that uh, saving the environment or doing positive things in relationship to the environment come at human sacrifice and human cost. That it's, so words like, that's very expensive, or, you know, uh, you constantly hear this, you know, that, that, that certain kinds of changes, they'll cost too much. Well, there is very, very little that I've seen in any case, and Lorenzo and Jimena, you, you may have read some things differently or, or, or that, that would change this view, but there's very little that I've seen that, that really articulates well what is the cost of not doing certain things in relationship to the environment, particularly as it plays out over time, right? So that puts us, puts us back into, this, into the issue of future generations, mm -hmm. which is where we have the real, where we have the problem. Because we're not, as I said before, our brains don't work that way. Uh, so, so at the end of the day, it 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 requires a, you know, probably a lot of it has to come through education, where where the urgent steps and ethical decisions that we need to make uh, are that we're taught that we cannot just think in terms of 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 short term that that's immoral that that's that that's not that that's not practical that that's just wrong on a multitude of levels. Uh, we, we've got to have, begin to have that ingrained. Like, you know, re religious people are very good at trying to ingrain religion. Uh, it, you know, various entities are very good at, at, at in, you know, ingraining kids with whatever. But we, do we teach, do we do a good job of teaching these kinds of ethics in our systems? Uh, is there space for that? I know in the United States, for example, the school system is by and large totally out of touch with the reality of, of now, right? And mm -hmm. what's needed, you know, it needs major overhaul from the perspective of making sure kids, like, why would you waste time uh, teaching algebra? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe it's an exercise to, to, to train the brain, but there are other ways to train the brain that, you know, that probably could be way, way more helpful. So we, we've got to begin to adapt our brains to think more long term. We've also, I think, got to, uh, we've got to redefine wealth and wealth should be defined as uh, a, a, a sense of well-being about one's relationship with other people 
and the environment that that that's that's true wealth right that that we we've defined wealth purely in monetary terms by and large societally right and the more we do the more we do that you know that if you're really successful you've made a lot of money but that puts the focus on absolutely the wrong thing and so we need to change the priorities in terms of how we how we value each other ourselves and each other and so we just need you know it's like you, it's like taking a car into a garage that's like a, it's practically on its last legs we need to we need a real major yes yes and what you're saying it's when i talk to people they don't feel like they can do anything for the, like they feel like they feel you said apart from the environment and we hear words like now uh, it's it's a trendy word environmental stewardship and how can we tell the people that people that don't feel like being part of the problem or the solution how can we tell them they can be also environmental steward and how does this new term environmental steward ties into the concept of being a good ancestor I, I, uh, it's 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 hard Jimena, because it's we we have we've 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 developed so many bad habits that are so ingrained, and you know, again, it's almost like if you want to if you want to affect real change, you almost have to have you almost have to have a blank canvas to start from, right? Which is why I feel so strongly about figuring out how to invest in kids because they they haven't developed all those bad habits yet. <laughs> And the, you know they 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 have you know if you you got to get at people before they are taught the stuff that makes them the opposite of good stewards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know we can beat our heads against the wall with our generations, and 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 we should to some degree to try and affect some kinds of change. I think more on the policy level than 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 on the level of trying to change individual behaviors. I mean. You know, I wouldn't waste a lot of time trying to change a 50-year-old's behavioral <laughs> changes because it, the return on investment is not going to be great. Mm -hmm. It isn't. You're right. right? Yeah. So I, I would shift focus personally and, 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 and say, look, we as adults have failed and will continue to fail in terms of creating a positive relationship with the environment. Our only hope in my view, and is a few of future generations who have been brought up and who have who have somehow been exposed to a, just a, a, a radically different way of thinking, mm -hmm. not just a little bit different, radically different. Mm -hmm. yeah, that, that reminds me of uh, many years ago when I was starting my, my career, my conservation career, somehow a friend gave me a book called Ishmael by a, an author, Daniel. Oh, yeah. yeah, Ishmael was the name of the book. And, and, and they talk exactly about that, that since we since kids are born, they they sort of get into this uh, into this uh, way of doing things and, and, and assume all of the values. And in the end, it's like a background noise that no one differentiates and realizes that you are being 
get, being transformed into a very interesting culture that where where development, money, and all of those are the values. Interesting, and, and yes, uh, um, we definitely have to work with kids. And um, a, a, another interesting concept that that uh, that I would like to to mention is that we are in a communication crowded um, moment. Uh, so it's very difficult to, to, to send your messages through this incredible avalanche of, of communication. So that's probably this combination of, of um, educating kids, doing being a better communicator, and at the same time working on the, on the consumer part. I think it, it, it's, it's, it's relevant. So Sven, tell me, uh, Tell me what gives you hope after this. After um, I would be very since you and me are more or less the same age, and and few people would invest in us because we are a short term <laughs> investment. <laughs> but I love that concept. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With 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 probably it's a it's a it's a ten year investment probably. Anyhow, what gives you hope? Kids, uh, you know, I saw a video. Uh, the uh, the other day about ge that Generation Z produced, basically telling the Republican Party uh, that they they they, they will they, they're going to go after them now for their attitudes, uh, and uh, it's a very powerful video. I'll send it to you. It's, yeah, please. Uh, Perfect. It's uh, it's it's and it's it's done in a style that 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 does you know that generation really appreciates and and but they've said we we've had it with you. We, as it relates to all kinds of issues, including the environment, and we're coming after you. We're coming after you. It's very aggressive, yeah, yeah. and it has to be aggressive. Yeah. And so that gives me hope because I, I, you know, again, I, I think we need we need what is in essence a revolution. Well, uh, we, we we do we do we we're, we're not going to survive otherwise. Honestly, we're we're going to destroy our planet. And we just are without a revolution. And I, I and 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 I don't mean a revolution like picking up arms, uh, but I'm talking about a, a, an intellectual, mental revolution, and 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 one where power shifts. You know, so these old men sitting in Washington, for example, making determinations about everything, like where you know, <laughs> in relationship to a woman's body and, and who, who who loves who and blah blah blah. These guys have to go. They have to go. They're they're like done. Well, and they they have to be pushed out. They have to be put to pasture. I mean, literally. <laughs> You're giving me hope with these radical answers, Ben. Thank you so much. So we we are approaching the the end of this episode. So let's do a summary of what we have reviewed through the series. Uh, our story as inhabitants of this planet started started by describing how vulnerable we are. Then we said we were, we had a very interesting differentiator we had in our brains, our ability to forecast. And, and um, at some point in, in time, human, uh, we understood that we could use nature to provide for us. But then we switched from using nature as an ally to exploiting it. So, so, so we call ourselves Homo sapiens, which is a human who knows that knows because we are conscious of ourselves. And we can analyze our thoughts, but we are not and that we are aware that we're aware, but we don't seem that sapiens at all. So uh, it's not the situation we live in that defines us. It's it's how we can choose wisely and accomplish great things for the benefit of people and the planet. And the things we can do is change our mindset uh, in, 
we have to not resist new choices, but to go for new choices. Um, that's the only way. The only way we can never fail is never trying something new. So try things new. Um, there's a, a saying that it's very powerful. What I hear, I forget. What I see, I remember. What I do, I understand. Yes, definitely. Well, this was our last episode. You can find us on terraabitus.org, MX, and beliefTransformB.com, and of course, expeditions.com. Um, thank you, Jimena. Thank you, Sven. Nothing better than being in love with what we do and our message. And uh, let's uh, hope that we can definitely change the world through an intellectual and smart revolution. And I, I'd love to quote Sir David Attenborough's, there has been no species remotely clever as Homo sapiens. Let us live up to that name. Nos vemos pronto. See you that's soon. That's great. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's great. great, right? We will write a summary for of all the episodes and make it available to you through an online <laughs> publication. Hasta pronto. Thank you, Sven. And remember to spread the message of hope and try to be the best ancestor possible. See you in nature. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Healthy Planet, Healthy You with Jimena Yanez and Lorenzo Rosenzweig. We hope you've learned something new today that can help you in your life and how to make this a better planet. Until next time, have a healthy and regenerative week.